The sermon this morning is castration, exclusion, and immersion. Castration, exclusion, and immersion. Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. You know, this story begins with the Lord sending Philip onto a desert road. That means a lonely place, a deserted place. And this is the Philip that we read about in Acts 6, who's appointed as a deacon for the church in Jerusalem, who's an evangelist. And we just read about him last week as he proclaimed the good news, the gospel, to the Samaritans, people who were Jewish outcasts, who were thought to be unclean. And this story that we read today furthers the work of God as God pours his Holy Spirit out onto all peoples. And as the Spirit calls Philip into this desert place, this lonely, dangerous road, Philip finds that he's not alone. Up in the short distance ahead, he sees a chariot riding. And there's a man on that chariot, an Ethiopian man. It's a eunuch. And the Spirit calls Philip and he says, hey, Go run up and just, just walk next to that chariot. And, you know, we're reading this today, and some of us maybe have read this before, some of us maybe reading it for the first time, but it doesn't necessarily strike us the way it would have struck the original hearers. When they hear the term an Ethiopian eunuch, it's like jaw drop, like all of us practice this beneath your masks really quick. <sighs> what? You know, an Ethiopian eunuch? That's who the Spirit is sending Philip to go walk besides? And you guys might not know what a eunuch is. A eunuch is a male person who has been castrated. And 
Uh, the people that were known as the Ethiopians in Jesus' day, in the first century, were people who were actually uh, occupied modern-day Sudan. So not Ethiopia, by the way. So in northeast uh, Africa, you have Egypt, kind of northeast corner right next to the Middle East. Then you have Sudan, and then you have Ethiopia. But what Ethiopians, in, in the original Greek, it's literally the word Ethiopians, um, but what it referred to back then was uh, black people who are from the kingdom of Cush which occupied modern-day Sudan. So really interesting. And so that's the kind of person he sees. But in kingdoms like the kingdom of Cush and other uh, kingdoms in the Middle East in that day, young slave boys would be castrated so they could serve the queen or the king's uh, women, the king's wives. And so you'd have these young boys who were put into slavery, and then while they're still young, the empire of the day chooses to castrate them, enslave them, and then use them for their purposes to guard the women of the palace. And so that's the kind of person that Philip sees walking on the road. The thing is about uh, a young boy being castrated, not only does he uh, lose his ability to reproduce and, and the sexual desires that come with it, his body's hormones are completely devastated. The qualities that come with uh, male puberty never set in for these people. And so the person's very body is physically mutilated, but so is their biology. This means that even from a distance, you could recognize that someone was a eunuch, that they looked different than the men and women that you're familiar with. They sounded different. Their voices sounded different. Everything about this person was different. He walks in a crowd and he stands out. And all of this was so that he could be the treasurer for the queen. And so in this Ethiopian's case, he is literally castrated for the sake of the queen. His entire life, his very body has been subjected to the queen's empire. But the story gets worse for him. This Ethiopian man falls in love with the God of Israel. That might sound good, right? Except that he's a foreigner and a Gentile. He's a foreigner and Gentile. So he, he becomes a worshiper of Yahweh, the God of Israel. And he travels from modern-day Sudan. And this is before, you know, we had bikes, not to mention cars or planes or buses. He travels from modern-day Sudan all the way to Jerusalem to worship the God of Israel. And he gets to Jerusalem and he goes into the, the place where there's the temple, but he's not welcomed in because Gentiles and foreigners were not welcomed into the sanctuary to offer sacrifices and worship God. The caveat, if you're a Gentile or a foreigner and you wanted to get into the sanctuary and, and worship God, well, you had to go through circumcision if you're a male. And circumcision compared to castration for the Ethiopian sounds like no big deal, right? But for this Ethiopian man, even circumcision couldn't cut it. I mean that um, as a pun somewhat, but not really. Um, even circumcision couldn't cut it because being a eunuch also completely excluded you from the life of the temple. You couldn't even come into the outer sanctuary. You couldn't come into the temple whatsoever. If you're a eunuch, you couldn't worship God in the temple for life. doesn't matter if you get circumcised. 
There was nothing for the Jewish people that could bring them back into the fellowship in the temple. And so this man has traveled from Sudan to Jerusalem to worship God. He's been an outcast his whole life. His body and his biology have been subjected to the powers of the age. But he's fallen in love with God of Israel. He travels across the known world at the time to worship God. If any of us made that journey, that holy pilgrimage, we'd get there and we just couldn't wait to hear the songs in the temple. We couldn't wait to see the sacrifices. We couldn't wait to hear the priests say, you are loved by God. God has good purposes for you. God has plans for you. He adores you. But this Ethiopian man travels that whole holy pilgrimage and never gets into the temple. And now he's on his way back home. And he's bought in a scroll of Isaiah. If any of us were in his shoes, we would have given up hope. I think, I know I would have. If I was that ostracized and excluded from the community of God, the God that I so love and worship, you think I'd still be trying to learn about God? Would we, would we still be trying to learn about God? I don't think so. But the Ethiopian man has not given up yet. He, he's bought a scroll of Isaiah, incredibly expensive, by the way. And he's reading it aloud on his chariot on the way back from the place where he was not welcomed. Back to his hometown where they've mutilated his body and his biology. And what is he doing? He's reading the word of the Lord. And that's the setting that the, Philip, that the Spirit draws Philip to. That's the setting that Philip comes to. But Philip's grown up his whole life thinking eunuchs can't come in the temple too. And he can tell that this man's a eunuch. And the Spirit is doing something in Philip. And so the Spirit doesn't say, Philip, hey, you need to go. And uh, since you're so spiritual and since uh, you've always been able to go to the temple and worship and since you know the risen Jesus, you have all the goods. So you need to go and you need to just give these goods to him. And, um, you know, you're the savior in this context. That's not what the Spirit does. The Spirit says, just go walk with him. Go stand by that chariot. And so Philip goes. He goes and stands by that chariot. And what he's doing is he's creating space for a dialogue. And as he gets there and he hears, uh, he hears the Ethiopian man reading the scroll of Isaiah because at, at that point you always read the Bible out loud. And so he's reading the scripture out loud. And Philip asks, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And that sounds, yeah, that makes sense, right, for us. But uh, in the original language, it's actually a play on words. What a closer um, translation of that phrase would be is, do you understand what you're understanding? Do you understand what you're understanding? And it's really interesting. If you think it's, okay, you're trying to understand this. Do you understand it? And Philip, by asking that question, he's just creating space for the Ethiopian man to appear on his terms with his issues and his problems and his questions. And so the Ethiopian man says, well, how can I, unless I have a guide? How can I, unless someone guides me? And the passage he's reading is in Isaiah 53. It's about the suffering Messiah. But what's really interesting is that just a couple chapters later in Isaiah 56, starting in verse 3, I'm going to read it for you. Isaiah 56 verse 3 reads, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord Say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. 
And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. That text is absolutely contrary to the lived experience of this Ethiopian man. And I think he read that text in Isaiah. And I think he asked God, he said, God, this is absolutely contrary to my experience. I just traveled across the known world to try to worship you. God, I've been excluded and used and abused my entire life. And you say I will be included. You say you'll put a memorial in my name. You say you'll give me an inheritance better than sons and daughters, which I'll never be able to have. Where are you in this time in my life? But even then, I don't think he gave up. I don't think he got bitter from reading that text. I think he went back to Isaiah 53 to try to make sense of it. Because Isaiah 53 describes the Messiah that will come and set the people free and make their suffering into joy and give them new life and will take on the sins of the world. That's what Isaiah 53 describes. And he goes back and he's trying to make sense of how do we get from Isaiah 53 to Isaiah 56? Who is this guy? Is it Isaiah? Is it in the past? Has he come? Is it someone else? And he asks Philip, Who does the prophet speak about, himself or someone else? And Philip starts with that scripture and proclaims him the good news about Jesus, that everyone is welcome. Come and see. And this is the space that the Spirit invites Philip to create. Philip creates space by asking a question. Are you understanding what you're reading? But the Ethiopian He sees two things. One, he sees that he has the means to offer hospitality. Because what we see, we don't see Philip go and say, hey, let me give you the goods. I have them. What we see is the Ethiopian invite Philip into his chariot. Philip goes into the Ethiopian space. Philip receives hospitality from the Ethiopian, not the other way around. The Ethiopian becomes the giver and the receiver. And so we have the waters muddied of who's got the goods. They both do. There's mutuality here. God is putting them on level ground next to Jesus. And so the Ethiopian has the humility and hospitality to say, I need a guide, but come sit in my chariot. Come into my space. Let me provide for you. And Philip He doesn't think I'm too good to sit next to this man. He's too different from me. Oh, the God I've known for most of my life wouldn't wouldn't accept this. He steps right on into that chariot and they share the good news. And that's beautiful. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. That's the beautiful thing about the good news of Jesus is that everyone has a space. And so we're challenged to be Hospitable, but also to receive hospitality. We're challenged to be guides, but also to be guided. And if you're anything like me, I'm much more comfortable being the the host than the guest. 
And I've joked with uh, Cameron about this before, but actually, like, I hate having people serve me. And, and part of that's because it makes me uncomfortable, uh, and I forfeit control when I do that, right? I forfeit control when I have to entrust myself and even my needs to someone else. But I also feel guilty as if now I owe someone something that I can't repay. And so I don't want to put myself in that position, right? I'd rather be in control of my space. I'd rather have others appear to me on my terms than to appear to them on their terms. This is profoundly vulnerable. That's a vulnerable space to be in. And maybe you feel similarly. Maybe, maybe you always want to meet people on your own terms, where you're in control, where you get to pick the time and the place, where you get to be the provider, where you get to have the goods and you are the host. Or maybe for you, it's the opposite. Maybe you, you always want to be hosted because you feel like your space isn't good enough. Uh, or maybe you, don't, you feel like you don't have the resources to present your space the way you want to. Or maybe you like being served because it makes you feel important or worthwhile for once in your life. I don't know where you find yourself today, but we all inhabit bodies. <coughs> and in our bodies, we find ourselves in different spaces in the world around us. Some spaces where we're welcomed and other spaces where we're excluded. And in our bodies, I think all of us have probably both been mutilated by others and mutilated others. In my body, I've both been the object of abuse and I've also contributed to systems of abuse. Many of us have been castrated by the systems of the world that we find ourselves in. Powers controlling us and our bodies and our spaces and using us for their ends. And maybe we've been hurt by others. Maybe we've even been hurt by the church. But we've also been those who've excluded others. We've excluded those who have been metaphorically castrated. We've ignored the displaced persons that we pass by on the side of the road. Or we turn our eyes from the displaced per persons that appear at our country's borders. We've ignored the people who look different from us that sit in the same classrooms as us. We've walked in the other aisle at the grocery store when we see a person that makes us uncomfortable or that doesn't look as appealing or that we don't want to pass by. We avoid those people. And we effectively distance ourselves from people who are different from us. They make us uncomfortable. Our modern day eunuchs. Uh, honestly, I ask you, just even look around, like look at who you're sitting with today. And maybe you're sitting with people who are different from you. Maybe you're, people, you're sitting next to people who don't make you comfortable. But many of us, even when we come to church, even when we do godly things, we do it with the people who we're comfortable with. We do it with the people that make us feel like we're normal, with the people who look like us. We don't do it with the people who our society tends to ex uh, exclude. And when I say modern-day eunuchs, I don't necessarily mean that literally, but I mean the people that our society would deem as different. Because in our society, we make judgments about who a person is in an instant. They've done tons and tons of psychological studies on children to see how they judge people based on their skin color. 
and whether they're good or bad people. And our society, the systems that we've been raised and formed in, show us that children, no matter their ethnic background or uh, what country they grew up in, will automatically appoint to the person with darker skin and say they're bad versus the person with lighter skin and say they're good. Our world has castrated people. And we've castrated people. And we label people immediately by how they look, how they appear on our terms, rather than entering into their space and hearing from them. Like the Jews in Jesus' day, we read Isaiah 53 and we long for a Savior who will forgive our sins and give us what we want but we have ignored Isaiah 56, which calls us to include those who have been excluded. That every single body experiences life and belonging as a whole person in the body of Jesus. That's what Isaiah 56 points to. And so God says about these so-called eunuchs that they will no longer be labeled by their scars. They'll be given new names, everlasting names that will endure forever. As the Spirit leads Philip into the hospitality of the Ethiopian man, both people encounter the living God. The Ethiopian is guided into the good news of Jesus, that this man he's heard about, the one whose body has also been mutilated, even to the point of death, the one who went into the grave and was buried, he's been raised to new life. The tomb is empty and his kingdom has come and the Ethiopian man is welcomed into it. And guess what that means for us? It means that every single one of you belongs. That you belong in the kingdom of God. You can have a new name. You're not just a eunuch. You're not just what society says about you. You are not just what society has done to you. You are a son or a daughter of the most high living God. And how is this new name and this new life in the kingdom of God experienced in our physical bodies today? Same way it was for the Ethiopian. The new life we experience in our bodies is through baptism. And baptism is the sacred space where the good news of Jesus is embodied. It is where we experience the death and resurrection of Jesus in our actual bodies, where we go under the water and are buried with him and are raised to new life. We're given new birth into the kingdom of Jesus that he has enacted. That's why we're called sons and daughters of the most high God. And nothing and no one can ever change that. Nothing and no one can exclude that. And so if you have any inclination that you might want to get baptized, please talk to Melina or I after this. And let's talk about it. Let's look at that. This is a beautiful story of what the kingdom of God does in our midst and does in societies. And so that's exactly what the Ethiopian man does. He tells Philip, if all this is true, then who can prevent me from being included in the family of God? Why shouldn't I be baptized? And that's exactly what happens. And so with the experience of Philip and the Ethiopian in view, what might God be calling us into today? What spaces might the Spirit be leading us into? Who might the Spirit be urging us to walk with or to learn from? What I've learned over the past few months is how desperately I've needed to be served in this season in my life. Now, so many of you have made food for Melina and I. Uh, in, in our grief. And I think about the flowers or, or the cards that I've received. And 
what you guys have done is you guys have shown God to me when I felt like God was absent. When I felt like God was silent, when I, when I felt excluded from God's plan, excluded from all his promises, when I felt like a dry tree, when I felt castrated, you all have helped guide me in this season. I've needed you. And so I ask us again, where might the Spirit be guiding us as a people this morning? I have two simple practices for us this week. One is invite somebody into your chariot to be your guide. Offer hospitality to someone else, but with the posture of receiving from them as much as you would give. Invite someone into your space, whether through just your own vulnerability of just sharing your life or in your home, and receive from them. Offer hospitality, but receive. Let someone be your guide. And the second practice this week is to look for chariots that will invite you in. Listen for who the Spirit might be calling you to walk with. Open your eyes and see where you might be able to receive hospitality from another person. And maybe someone who you wouldn't expect will show up. Because God can use anybody to teach you. Even the person who looks different from you and is from a foreign land. So let us be a people who follow the Spirit's guiding. Specifically to the eunuchs of our communities. Let us find ourselves called into spaces of uncomfortability. Where we must receive hospitality from those that we deem as different. And let us be those who call others into our chariots. Who let God guide us through the people he puts in front of us. Let us never exclude others. Rather, let us join in God's loving embrace of all peoples. We just might find ourselves rejoicing in the embrace of the community of God. And we may end up being carried away by the Holy Spirit. Amen.